Before we get into today's episode, I would like to wish my good friend and co-host Michael Hale a speedy recovery. As most of you have seen on social media, Mike finally received his call for a new kidney last week, and he immediately underwent surgery. It sounds like everything went as planned, and he started his process of recovery. I really enjoyed catching up with Mike on a recent investigation at Landel's Mohican Castle, and he's just as excited about the future of the team as I am. Please keep Mike in your thoughts at this time, and we'll hopefully hear from him soon on future episodes. Get well, buddy, and I'll see you soon. Everybody. I'm your host and founder of CBUS Paranormal, Jonathan Robson, and welcome to the CBUS Paranormal Paracast. This is episode 2 entitled Ghost Tech, Part 1. On the next two episodes, I'll be discussing one of my favorite subjects, ghost hunting equipment. Most of you know that until recently I've been out of the field for a few years, and one of the first things I did prior to our team's return was to look into new gadgets that have debuted since the team has been down. Oddly enough, I've noticed that not that much has really changed in the last few years. Other than the odd occurrence of paranormal teams now using motion-censored cat toys on their investigations. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there yet, but I think that might be a story for another day. This episode might cause some controversy amongst the paranormal community, but if we want to see the field grow and become more credible, we need to call out some of the nonsense for what it is. Several new devices come onto the market with each passing year, each with various claims of either being able to detect or interact with ghosts. These devices will usually appear with a stamp of approval from popular ghost hunting television shows. So what's the deal? Do the devices work as advertised? Are they credible? Are they worth the cost? We're going to take an in-depth look at several of these devices to see what makes the cut and what should be avoided at all costs. Now, I know we have a broad spectrum of listeners. Some of you investigate, some of you would like to, and others just have an interest in the paranormal field. I hope that all of you will find something in this episode that will be beneficial to your cause. I've often stressed the importance of paranormal teams investigating their own equipment, and I think by the end of this episode, you will likely realize how many teams actually don't. This even includes the so-called professionals on television. Before we begin, if you haven't already, please remember to subscribe to the CBUS Paranormal Paracast on your favorite podcasting platforms. 
This will help you receive notifications from our podcast feed and will also help alert you when new episodes are available. The Paracast can currently be accessed through several of the top podcasting apps, such as Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many more. We also have set up a Patreon account. Do you want extra content, behind-the-scenes footage, early listening access, or even ad-free episodes? You can help the show by making a small monthly donation for additional content. Visit the show's Patreon page for details. And remember, you can cancel at any time. The theme for this part of the episode will be communication devices. Ghost hunters will commonly use the following equipment in an attempt to communicate with the spirit world. I'm going to cover a few of these popular items today. However, there are several more that we'll likely cover on future episodes. This includes popular items such as the Ouija board and the obelisk. We're going to start off with one of the most common pieces of equipment in the ghost hunting field, the digital audio recorder. Investigators use these devices to record EVPs, aka electronic voice phenomenon. EVPs generally make up a majority of what most investigators consider as evidence. Are ghost hunters recording the voices of the dead, or are there logical explanations for these voices? Honestly, at this point, nobody really knows for certain. Paranormal investigators normally like to investigate during the late evening and early morning hours during their investigation. The reason for this is that the environment is typically more quiet during that time frame. You will want to limit the background noise during your investigation as much as you possibly can, and you'll have to be cautious of all nearby sounds while you're reviewing your audio. This includes noises from outside of the investigation, and also even from your own teammates inside of a location. I strongly recommend investigating with a small team. The more people you have inside of a location, the more likely you can make a mistake while doing your own audio review. The microphone in your typical recording device is often more sensitive than people realize, and individuals unfortunately don't take this into account while investigating. It's important to note that your recording is only as good as the equipment you're recording it on. Audio quality is very important. The microphone in your device will determine the quality of audio that you capture. Our team has upgraded our recorders multiple times over the years, and we currently use high-quality Zoom studio recorders. However, EVPs can be captured on any type of recording device, from high dollar to low dollar. I've even seen some teams still using old tape recorders and trying to compare the device's results to modern-day equipment. My advice would be to experiment with your own audio devices, get creative, and find a piece of equipment that works for you. Keep in mind that pareidolia plays a large part in the paranormal community. Usually people think of visual pareidolia with the paranormal such as seeing faces, figures, or patterns in photographs or still images. Or like the Jesus toast that you see on eBay from time to time. However, this also applies to pieces of audio. Every piece of audio that is recorded might be heard or interpreted differently by each individual that hears it. Unfortunately, once an investigation team puts a label on what they think the voice is saying, its implanted message is automatically programmed into the listener's mind and they can be influenced by what the investigators think the voice is saying. These labels can be in the form of YouTube videos with words suggesting what's being said on a recording, or just telling an individual what they think is being said. In turn, the listener is automatically influenced by the presenter, 
and they will actively be trying to hear the message that's already been suggested to them. Now, I'm not saying that every EVP is caused by auditory pareidolia, but at least know that it does exist and acknowledge it. Our team will often try to make sense of what is being stated on our recordings, and will conduct peer review sessions for our audio pieces. When we put an EVP out to the public, we do it with the understanding that others might not hear what we hear in the intended message at times. However, it's still important to try to make sense of what is being stated on the recording itself. As of this time, EVPs are still an interesting and important part of this field, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Annoying, isn't it? (laughs) Speaking of auditory pareidolia, up next is the Ghost Box, SB7, Frank's Box, Spirit Box, Hack Shack, or whatever the hell you want to call the thing. This device is all over television. If you've watched one of the TV shows, you've seen it. Essentially, it's a radio that rapidly sweeps through channels forwards and backwards. Some investigators believe that ghosts can communicate through the radio's generated white noise, and they also believe that ghosts or spirits can give answers to the questions that they may ask through the device. Honestly, I'll generally turn a show off when I see one of these being used. It doesn't help give credibility to the field when the actors on television take an unintelligible audio blurb and try to make it sound like they're communicating with something from the pits of hell itself. Here's looking at you, Zach. These devices promote belief in spirits as opposed to providing any form of solid evidence. Many people want to believe that the words or noises coming out of the device are from another world. However, the snippets of dialogue are from their passing radio stations as the device quickly sweeps through the frequencies. The human mind is programmed to try to make sense of these little audio snippets, and in turn will try to make a word or message out of the quick audio blurbs. We've experimented with this device several times over the years, and possibly only had one session in all that time where we think we might have got something from it. Even then, the results were very non-conclusive. Unfortunately, a new trend has also emerged with scammers online, using these devices to allegedly communicate with famous celebrities that have recently passed on. These same individuals can't tell you how the devices scientifically work, or how they were able to channel these famous spirits to pencil in time from their undead schedules to make an appearance for them. They will, however, be more than willing to sell you one of their broken radios for a considerable amount of money. Personally, I throw these devices into the entertainment section of the ghost hunting field. Individuals want to believe in ghosts so badly that sometimes they will buy and use devices with their blinders on. However, I must admit the ghost box is convenient if you want to catch up on a baseball game mid-investigation. <laughs> Just kidding. If your team chooses to experiment with one of these devices, consider building a Faraday cage box to put it in while you're doing your sessions. This will at least block out the radio frequencies scanning through the device if it's built properly. Unfortunately, the Faraday cage bags aren't as reliable, and stations still seem to come through those on investigations. In the terms of this device being useful or unuseful, I'd personally have to say that I'm not a fan of this device. And that leads us to our next set of devices, the K2 meter, Mel meter, EMF meter, and REM pods. 
All of these devices are used to measure and detect EMF, which is electromagnetic field. By definition, it's a property of space caused by the motion of electric charge. EMF is all around us in wiring, appliances, and it's naturally occurring. Your own body can actually even interfere with EMF. To make matters worse, EMF devices can also be affected by several items in the environment, such as camcorders, walkie-talkies, phones, you name it. We've stated multiple times in the past that there's never been a device that's been proven to detect ghosts. EMF meters are no different. In all reality, the concept of looking for EMF signatures isn't that far-fetched of an idea. After all, all humans emit infrared radiation. I guess that a person could speculate that a spirit would also have an EMF source, but it's also impossible to know for sure. After all, you can't prove what something is made of if you can't definitively prove that it even exists. The meter craze was likely started by the show Ghost Hunters when they debuted the K2 on their earlier episodes. One could also speculate that investigators originally got the idea of ghost detectors from the Ghostbuster movies, aka PKE meters. At one point, Ghost Hunters actor Grant Wilson made a statement on their show claiming that the K2 had been specifically calibrated for paranormal investigators, which of course is complete nonsense. Even the creator of the K2 has stated this. Our team has unfortunately witnessed several teams over the years trying to use these devices for communication. They will often unknowingly trigger their own devices with their own walkie-talkies or handheld equipment. In turn, they create false positives and results for themselves and generally make themselves look bad. I've tried to tell teams about this in the past, and I'm usually met with disbelief and denial. However, science doesn't lie, and we can often recreate their flawed results fairly easily. Our team now carries around radio frequency detectors to combat some of this nonsense, and we use our own device to see if members from other teams are knowingly or unknowingly causing false EMF hits and spikes. I typically will still use EMF meters to scan the investigation environment. I usually do this for residential investigations. These devices can help detect bad wiring or harmful EMF levels throughout a building or residence. High EMF levels can be dangerous over prolonged exposure and can cause headaches, dizziness, memory loss, sleep disturbance, depression, hallucination, amongst other issues. A few years back, we did an investigation at Browse Wild Books in Tip City, Ohio. During the investigation, we noticed a few of our investigators started feeling dizzy at times and kept feeling a sensation like we were being touched. We scanned the first floor and basement of the property and noticed that the EMF levels were dangerously high. At that time, we agreed that the high levels of EMF were likely causing these feelings and that the store's visitors were also unknowingly being affected. Unfortunately, the store would later catch fire due to what was believed to be bad wiring in 2016. The tenants in the second floor apartment would be trapped, but thankfully rescued. They were able to restore the building, but I do think it's important to note that we've seen some of the warning signs a few years prior, and we even mentioned this online in our investigation journal. EMF detectors can be a great tool when they're used as they were intended to be used. However, I do not believe they're useful in detecting ghosts or spirits unless further scientific data proves otherwise. At this time, I don't believe these devices seem to be an effective means of spirit communication. For our final item today, believe it or not, we're going to talk about the flashlight. 
If you guys have watched any of the popular television shows, you've likely seen investigators attempting to communicate with spirits by using this method. Normally, people will stand around in awe as the flashlight seemingly turns itself on and off by itself, as if it's answering an investigator's questions, which in reality is actually quite laughable, unrealistic, and explainable. Yeah, I know. I can hear the grumbling of some of my fellow investigators already. But hear me out. For starters, this stunt or trick can only be performed with a mini mag light with a twist top knob that turns the flashlight on and off. This trick will also only work with the older style mag lights with the older bulbs in them. This won't work with the newer LED bulb additions, and this is due to thermal expansion. Investigators will start off by twisting the top of the flashlight into a loose connection point setting, and it usually takes about 30 seconds for the flashlight to respond. Naturally, there is a reasonable explanation for this. The device's internal plastic reflector expands and contracts around the bulb while it's heating up and in the on position. The loose connection point setting will allow the device to trigger itself on and off at random times, and this cycle will continue until the battery itself eventually dies. This technique honestly is incredible, and there isn't a supernatural force turning the flashlight on and off, regardless of how much you may actually want to believe it. Don't believe me? Try to make this technique work with any regular LED flashlight. Spoiler, nothing will happen. So keep this in mind whenever you see this technique being used on TV or during a public ghost hunt. I assure you, you will likely see a person attempting this. Hey, you. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? I can tell you firsthand that starting a podcast has been a fun and rewarding experience. However, the process can feel overwhelming if you don't know how to get started. That is where Buzzsprout comes in. In fact, it's so good that they've already helped over 100,000 people start their own podcast. Buzzsprout will help you get your podcast onto every major podcasting platform, including Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You also get a professional website and audio players to share on other websites, detailed analytics, and other tools to help you promote your episodes. Buzzsprout also publishes tutorials, blog posts, and YouTube videos every week to help you get started. To launch your own podcast, click the link in our show notes on this media player's information panel. This will help support our show, and it will also help Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. This episode was also brought to you by our good friend Spencer Shepard at B&B Concrete in Shelby, Ohio. He has some amazing stone pieces for your lawn and garden, such as Sasquatches, gargoyles, bird bass, and even dragons. Be the coolest person on your block and visit facebook.com slash bnbconcreteman or email bnbconcreteman at gmail.com for more information. It's time to answer a question that was sent in by one of our listeners. You can submit questions to us on any of our social media accounts or through the contact form on zbusparanormal.com. This question was submitted by our friend Karen Floyd through our Facebook page. She asked, what is the best app to use for recording EVPs in the Apple Store? I'll be honest, I'm an old school type of investigator. I personally don't use phone apps for recording. 
I prefer to use digital recorders for the best sound quality, and I like the general ease of being able to transfer files to the PC for editing purposes. However, I do know some individuals that do use phones. I would personally recommend skipping any apps that refer to Ghost in its title. These apps are normally entertainment apps that aren't credible for someone who actually wants to investigate. There are a plethora of digital recorder apps in the Apple Store. Some of these apps are free and others require certain purchases to be made to bypass ads or to gain additional features. There are plenty of options to choose from, but you will need to find an app that meets the criteria of what you're wanting to accomplish with your phone. I have heard of some investigators that like to use the pre-installed voice memo app that normally comes with the Apple iPhones, but its editing options are rather limited. I have also heard good reviews for the Voice Recorder and Audio Editor app and the Voice Recorder Pro app. Both of these apps offer free and paid versions. The Voice Recorder and Audio Editor app gives you the ability to record unlimited audio recordings as long as your device has available memory. It will also give you the ability to record files to a cloud, or you can use a USB cable or Wi-Fi sync to transfer your files to a PC. Among some of its other advanced features, the app will allow password protection for your recordings, and it'll give you several editing options that might help you clean up your recorded audio. The Voice Recorder Pro app has similar features that'll help you transfer files off the device, and it also provides high-quality audio. Unfortunately, the Voice Recorder Pro app does require an in-app purchase to eliminate advertisements. Unfortunately, there isn't a one-size-fits-all option for digital recorder apps, but I hope these two options might point you in the right direction and give you a couple options to work with. As always, I'm just an email away if you have any further questions, Karen. Thank you once again for submitting your question, and I hope this helped you in some way. reached the end of another episode. I hope that everyone enjoyed my reviews and criticism of some of the most popular ghost hunting gadgets on the market. We will continue this discussion with more devices next month. As always, you can reach out to us on social media. The team is currently on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and even TikTok. You can also visit our official website at cbusparanormal.com. Once again, please remember to subscribe to the CBUS Paranormal Paracast on your favorite podcasting platforms and devices. Thank you for listening. Would you like to meet our team in person? Join us at the Paris Icon 3 on May 21st and May 22nd at the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. Our team will be there on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m and on Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information on how to get your tickets or to see what celebrities will be involved with the event, make sure to visit their official website at parasicon.com. We hope to see you there.